0: Hey friends, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Connie, and I'm so glad you're here. I'm excited to share a message with you today that I learned in yet another valley in my life. I seem to learn all of the good stuff in the difficult times that I go through. And even though when I'm in the difficult times, I'm really, really wanting out of them, when I let myself stop and pause and refocus onto the goodness of Lord the Lord and how I perceive that He's working in that given situation, that brings me comfort. I want to go back a little bit and pull a few thoughts from the episode I did a few weeks ago when I was talking about the cost of loving someone when you know that you're gonna get hurt and how can we do that and do it well and with all of ourselves When we're in a position where we know that there's a good chance that, you know, it's not going to end the way we wanted and we're going to be hurt and we're going to have to deal with the ramifications of that. And I shared with you that one thing the Lord had spoken to me was he told me to love this person with all that I had and with no reservations, even if I got hurt. And then he proceeded to tell me, that he loved me with no reservations, and he knew he would be hurt, and that really changed me. It really gave me the in, more insight into uh, the heart of God when it re- reflects His love for us. You know, we we have so many um, aspects of God that we that we view incorrectly, that we get wrong um, parts of God's attributes that we. Um, either have an incomplete view of or a totally uh, wrong view of. And of course, all of those things serve a, as a disservice to us. And they make God out to be something that he's not. But they it also um, prohibits us from having a an accurate relationship with him that's founded on truth. And then God's View through our eyes gets colored and we deal with him and we think of him and we relate to him in ways that are not right. And one of the ways that I know that I've done this in the past is viewing suffering and viewing the ongoingness of suffering as evidence of God's either lack of involvement or lack of care, lack of concern. Um, It's easy to view it as meanness when we have something that we know God could do something about and we're praying and we're, you know, crying out to him, but all we seem to get is silence. And so I really did some soul searching and some digging um, to try to answer some maybe simple sounding questions, but really foundational and fundamental to I think my faith in general, but I think probably to other people's faith. And I think that if we can come to an understanding of what's going on inside of us when we have an ongoing struggle, what our view of god is where is our view of god incorrect then maybe through you know prayer and confession and reading his word we can get some some true understanding of who god is and and what he's doing in our seasons of difficulty therefore helping us to remain faithful and remain cemented in and anchored in the truth because there is an absolute truth and the the, the great thing about absolute truth is absolute truth has boundaries. it has a it prevents chaos because it has, a place that it, it doesn't go any further. It has a stopping point. There is an absoluteness to the truth of God. Therefore, when we can find it and anchor ourselves to that truth, it effectually creates a hemmed in barrier that protects us when we go through difficult things. So Going back to when the Lord uh, when I was put in a position, I feel like by the Lord to love someone that I knew uh, it was going to lead to me getting hurt. And it did. It also led to um, carrying a load of stress that was very heavy. And by that, I mean, you um, You know, there were things in my agenda that I had to move around to be able to take care of this person and be available. And then I was also carrying the load of of the different struggles they were having. And just, there's just a lot of weight there that I was asked to bear for a certain amount of time. And because of the level of stress and because of the toll that it took on my physical body, I... I'm a person that has had shingles different times throughout the shingles virus throughout my life. Shingles virus, if you if you don't know what it is, it stems from the chicken pox. For people that have had chicken pox, um, they have the shingles virus within their body. And most people, you know, don't get shingles just because they had chicken pox. But certain people, and mostly older adults, um, it's typically you know women over 50 and and men over 50. Although women are more likely to get it than men. But it's a terrible, itchy virus that comes on. Mine is triggered by by stress. So um, I've gotten it, I started getting it before I was three years old. So I got chicken pox earlier than that. But then my first case of shingles was before I was three years old. And all throughout my life, when my stress level reaches a certain point, it's very common for me to break out in this itching, burning rash, which is called shingles. Anyway, this last incident where, you know, the Lord had asked me to carry a heavy load for a certain amount of time, and I I did that, and I feel like I was um, obedient during that time and doing what he had called me to do, something that resulted from the stress of that situation was I developed something called trigeminal neuropathy. And trigeminal neuropathy stems from shingles. This last case of shingles that I had um, was a pretty bad case, and I even got some on my face, on the on the um, right side of my face, like my cheek area and my jaw. Anyway, something develops, some nerve damage develops because of that case of shingles, and it's called trigeminal neuropathy. Uh, You have a trigeminal nerve that is in your face, and trigeminal comes from the Latin word, which means three. And so it's a three-pronged nerve that stretches over your eye, down in between your nose and cheek, and underneath your jaw. So that's your trigeminal nerve. And this nerve damage happens in certain cases of shingles where it just damages the nerve. And it results in excruciating nerve pain on the side of your face where you had the shingles. And so for about two weeks, two and a half weeks, I had progressively worsening pain that I didn't know what it was. And after a series of events um, and the Lord just providing me with uh, the right doctor at the right moment, I found out that I had developed trigeminal neuropathy from my previous case of shingles and I ended up in the emergency room even. The pain was so bad um, and I was given some very heavy um, narcotic pain relievers and the pain was so terrible that it broke through these, you know, very heavy duty pain medicines. And I just remember there were five nights in particular where the pain would come on at about 11 o'clock in the evening, and it would not release from my jaw or my head until around 4.30 the next morning. And so I was up all night long. And it wasn't where the pain wasn't where I could rest. It was bring you to your knees crying, desperate pain. Uh, It was terrible. And I would walk back and forth in the house. We have a pretty good sized uh, walkway when you're walking from our kitchen to the living room. And I would just pace back and forth. And I would be crying and I would be praying and crying out to the Lord, you know, I know you can heal me. Please help me get through this. Please make this pain stop. And he didn't. He didn't make the pain stop. Night after night, I prayed. And day after day, I was struggling because, of course, I am currently pregnant. I have two little kids. And it's just been very stressful. And although the pain would get better in the daytime. It wasn't gone. It was just bearable. Um, but I was so sleep deprived and I was so tired and worn out and I kept praying, you know, and I knew, I knew that God could relieve the pain. God could give me medicine, like send me to the right. He could do all manner of things if he wanted to, but he didn't. And so I got to thinking about it and I was thinking, am I mad at you, God? Am I mad at you because I've asked you to heal me? From this, I've asked you not even just to heal me and immediately take it away, but I've asked you to just give me relief, like show me what it is, you know, help me to, even if you don't immediately relieve it, like start me in the right process to find the relief. Am I mad at you for not doing that? And I came to the honest conclusion, no, I'm not mad. And I thought, why are you not mad, Connie? Because I know in the past you would have been mad. And I know a lot of other people find struggles like these and they feel angry and they feel like, God, I was doing your will. You know, I I did what you told me to do and look what's happened. Or I'm crying out to you. I'm, I'm depending on you and you're not coming through for me. And, I, and two things, am I mad at God, which I came to the conclusion, no, I wasn't. But then why wasn't I? And then if I wasn't mad at God, well, I already said that. Why wasn't I? But then what is God doing in the situations in our life when he doesn't respond with relief and he doesn't respond with healing? Because he's doing something. We know that he doesn't just do disappear. And so if he's not answering us, then what are some other reasonable um, assumptions for what God might be doing when we're suffering and we're crying out to him, yet he's not responding in a way that we feel like he is hearing us or acting on our behalf? Here's what I came up with. I came up with this, that for me, this journey of Anchoring my faith to the truth started when I lost my son, Jeremiah. That's where I would put the uh, stake in the ground and say, this is when the Lord started working on me specifically regarding his goodness, despite suffering. And when I looked back and I saw, you know, how he could have saved my son and how in all human reality my son didn't have to die the way that he died you know it could have been prevented but it wasn't and i'm looking at that and i'm thinking okay well that was a really big major thing that god didn't intervene get this he intervened but he didn't intervene the way that i wanted him to intervene that is not saying that he didn't intervene in the best way he didn't intervene in the way that I wanted him to intervene. And it was through that point in my life of refusing to be angry at God. It didn't mean that I didn't have feelings and it didn't mean that I didn't wrestle and struggle because, oh, my goodness, I did. But it meant that I would not allow myself to get hard with God. I allowed myself to have all of the intense dialogue and ask all the questions, but I didn't let my heart get hard. I kept my heart soft before the Lord. How did I do that? Well, me personally, I quoted truth. I said to myself, the Bible says you're good. It says that you don't change. It says that you are the sovereign ruler and that everything is under your control and that you do what's best for your children. So if the Bible is true and I believe that it's true, then I believe you are only good. And this situation that happened to me, losing my son, can't affect what is true about you so it has to then support the fact that you're good and although I can't figure that out right now in that moment I'm gonna hold to the belief that you're good and so believing he's good while struggling with the emotions and the situation that I didn't understand is what I did because you can do both you don't have to understand the situation completely in order to believe that God is good and you don't have to have relief of a hundred percent to know that God is good then I thought how the Lord used that situation but then following that situation and the steps I took there then I suffered two more miscarriages Then I suffered some big mental health blows and some terrible depression. Then I suffered this massive weight loss surgery about a year ago that took me into, you know, that was just its own journal and journey and struggle and terrible thing. But all the way along these things, these these seasons of trial where I wasn't delivered from the pain, but I was led through it. The Lord was giving me steps. And wisdom to be led through the pain, not removed from it. And what I what I came to understand is that the storm does not indicate the goodness of God or the lack thereof. God does that. God indicates His goodness, and that too is already finished. When Jesus died on the cross, He looked over and at the at the um, you know the two people, one on either side of him, and one of them didn't want anything to do with him, but one he said, you know, you're going you're gonna to dine with me tonight, blah, blah, blah. And then right when he died, he looked up and he said, it is it is finished. It is finished means that at the moment that God declared that it was done, it was done. That was a moment that salvation was available to everybody, and he was going to die, and he was going to come back, and he was just declaring it, it is finished. There is nothing Ever again that can be added or taken away from what I have done. And so for a Christian to be able to be anchored in their faith, what it says is the storm in my life, no matter how big or how small, how irritating or how long, how painful or how raw, nothing on the outside And frankly, nothing on the inside of who I am and the way I process depicts the goodness of God because that goodness is depicted by God himself and he says in his word that he is good and that he is my ally and that he works on my behalf. And if the Bible says it, then I believe it's true. Why do I believe it's true? Because I have evidence of it for one thing. And then number two, because I want it to be true. I believe it's true and I want it to be true. Why do I want it to be true? Even if it means I don't get all the healing that I want. Because as I follow God, as I walk with him in my day-to-day life and as I suffer and as I am not delivered, this this trigeminal neuropathy, again, it may sound silly and you're thinking, how bad can jaw pain be? Well, let me tell you, it can be really, really, really terrible. And in the moments when you have terrible, uncontrolled pain and you're crying out to God, it's easy to view God through the lens of your pain. But viewing God through the lens of your pain doesn't change who he is. It, the pair, it changes the pair of glasses that you have on. That's why everybody loves God when it's going well and when the blessings are flowing. And we always fall apart when we suffer. And we certainly fall apart when we suffer after obedience. Why shouldn't we suffer if we want Jesus, if we want a relationship with him, which is what salvation is, then why would we expect that we wouldn't suffer? We're going to suffer and suffering is the doorway to understanding Jesus and to knowing him more deeply. And I will tell you 100% that it's worth it. And the boundaries that God puts up for his truth being an absolute truth, that that's where the comfort lies. The comfort lies in knowing That God is good despite how I feel. God is good despite if I receive the healing that I think that I need. In pain, our focus goes to why won't you help me? Why won't you stop this suffering? We look at, we put on a different lens. We put on different glasses and we're looking at God through eyes of human pain. Instead of remaining focused on who he is, we become conformed by how we feel. And therefore, we determine that our suffering is evidence of a lack of goodness of God. If God is good, then he cannot be anything else. And that to us is a comfort because he does what is best, not what we feel is best to us. Knowing this can serve as a great comfort because what it does is it says, yeah, baby, I'm suffering. My life is falling apart. I am in the pits. I am not feeling it. I am struggling through every day. I'm having bad thoughts. But even though all of this is going on, I praise you, God, because you're good and because I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And this night will end in daybreak. God is good despite what we go through. There's just no way around that. And we as believers, we can be equipped to suffer well and to not lose all of our marbles when the suffering is prolonged. One of the greatest mercies that God has given me, that I am thankful for it, that that I see in my life actively played out over and over and over again, is that he doesn't short circuit his blessing in my life because I get afraid or desperate in the moment and want him to stop. If I had the say for when God healed me, I would not be the woman that I am today. I would not have the faith that I have today. I would not love Jesus the way that I love him today. And I certainly would not have a ministry because I would have nothing to talk about. The only good that is in me is because the Lord himself has not stopped giving me the suffering and the sorrow that I need in order to be able to experience him and understand him so that I can share him with myself and with others. So friend, I wanna encourage you, if you are suffering and you are in a season of uh, prolonged suffering due to obedience or due to doing the right thing or being faithful, Keep on. Your God is a good God, and your suffering is not evidence of his lack of concern or care for you. If you are in a season of deep water and dark night, just know that God is right there with you, and you are only there for as long as he knows that that is what is best. And when it is no longer what is best, he will move you on out. But you cannot have instantaneous healing and develop godly character. When we have instant healing, it's great and it's miraculous and there's a place for it, but that comes with a cost. And the cost is we lose the experiential knowledge and the experiential experience of knowing our Savior on a very personal and deep level. So you keep walking, you keep your head up because God is the lifter of your head and hope walks on. Share this podcast with your family and friends. I'm sure glad you're here. I really, really and blessed by all my listeners. Be sure to check out the new website, www.weedseedsbeautifulthings.com. If you need a speaker for your next event, there is a tab on the website where you can get in contact with me. You can ask for art commissioned pieces. Friends, connect with me. I love to connect with you. I look forward to hearing from you and I will see you again next time on the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast.